Quarterback Trey Lindsey here. You're listening to Locked on Auburn and Virginia definitely double dribbled. Coach Harris and I met five years ago and we were in a pool. Don't ask why. And I remember thinking, I like that guy. You are Locked on Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked on Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. And for today and one day only, your War Ready podcast, because we're not talking about this for more than one day, but I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, Lindsey Crosby, our normal Monday guest. How are you? You know, I'm just, uh, they're lucky to get a day. Let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, what a disaster was that? For folks who don't know what we're talking about, War Ready, we haven't talked about it a whole lot on the show, but... They're um, TBT, the basketball tournament every year. They were War Tampa last year. And TBT was cool because they were kind of the first sporting event that happened during the pandemic. And they kind of tested the whole bubble thing. And then the NBA did it. And then I guess there was enough confidence for uh, for sports leagues to open up you know, after that. But it was interesting because last year, War Tampa got whooped. Like, they didn't even, like, belong. I think the team they were playing against is House of Pain, I believe. And then this year, um, War Ready seemed more ready, but was not the case. So the Auburn alumni lost to um, a team that was uh, made up of ETSU alumni, the Bucketeers. They lost 50-77, to and frankly, like, it was somehow worse than even that score is. They lost to a team called the Bucketeers. <laughs> Come on. What are you even doing? It's the Bucketeers. Bucketeers sounds like a knockoff version of the Disney Rocketeers movie. Like, this is the yes. one that goes straight to, like, cable that shows at 2 a.m. It's called Bucketeers. Nice. And you lost to them. I think... You know, there's there's a section of the Auburn fan base that gets excited about this every year. And I was pretty pumped about it last year, especially because I was doing a daily podcast and then there were sports happening in July. So, like, that was exciting. But this year, based off, like, what happened last year, I was just like, "Uh, I'm going to wait and see. But I watched it, and then about five minutes into it, it's like, nope, nope. The, the Auburn fan base is about to check out of this every year. Like, this isn't going to be a thing anymore. They may still have Auburn alumni teams. It may still be great. They may still get endorsements from Bruce Pearl during the middle of the broadcast on ESPN. All that is fine and dandy. But the Auburn fan base is not going to care about this anymore until they start winning. I mean, it has been a disaster. An absolute disaster. They went 3 of 17 from 3. 3 of 7. We could go 3 of 17 from 3, Zach. Bright, we could do it. And Bryce Brown being hurt is something. But, yeah. like, and I love these guys. And Bruce Pearl talked about it during the broadcast. The guys that were playing were the guys that turned the culture of Auburn basketball around. So, Auburn fans owe them support. There's no question about it. But it's just, it, it feels weird to me. And, like, I got flashbacks of, like, watching Daniel Purifoy do weird things. Simeon Bowers throwing up threes. It's just like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Like, you think about all the highs, 
of all of that. And then it's like, oh, they also did some weird stuff too, where you're just like, why are they doing that? You know, but uh, I do miss those guys. I miss them a ton. Um, I wish they would have performed better. One, because, you know, I like them and want them to succeed. And two, I think it would have been fun to follow them, kind of go through another tournament because a lot of these guys were on the Final Four team. But uh, I just think, if it, does it ever get to a point where like the Auburn basketball program kind of says like, hey, we hope y'all do well, but like we're going to we're gonna take a little bit of a step back as far as like this quote-unquote partnership. I don't know if it'll ever get to that point, but just it seems like they've been like the most embarrassing first-round loss both years and at what point do you kind of step back and say, hmm, maybe this isn't something that we put our hands on? I'm guessing probably now. Like next year, I don't think you're going to have as much buy-in from the university, from the department. I mean, the jerseys so, look like yeah. Auburn's jerseys. They just have War Ready on them. Did you watch this? I, I have to be honest. I was looking for it when I saw your comments in the Discord about how badly it was going, and I said, Never mind. Yeah, I'm a little jealous that you didn't watch it. But the the whole uh, the aesthetics of it look great. The basketball tournament, TBT, they do a great job in their production. They do a great job getting these teams ready for as far as, you know, their equipment and their locker rooms and all of that. The stuff that they put out on social media with Frankie Sullivan, who was the head coach of this team, kind of talking. There was a video that they put out of Simeon Bowers kind of doing a pregame thing. The production of it was awesome. And the jerseys look really good. They look like Auburn jerseys instead of Auburn. It just has War Ready on it. And I was really impressed with that. I'm like, okay, cool. They really stepped this up. That's great. Because last year was the first year I watched this thing. Um, because Auburn had a stake in it. And it was the first sports that we've had in forever. Um, but then, like, they started playing. It's just like, what in the world are we doing? Like, what what are these Auburn guys doing? These guys are so much better than this. I don't want to put it on Frankie Sullivan, you know, for putting these guys together or anything like that. I have no idea whose fault it is. I I, I kind of zoned out about halftime because I was like, unless they do this massive comeback, this thing's over. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's just got a weird vibe to it to me now. That's all I got. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of there with you. It's It's – we're at the point now where Auburn fans are going to make them do something before they give them as much support as they did the last two years. You know, so I, I expect it to be more subdued next year. Yeah. Until they get out of the first round at least. And it's, it's one of those, it kind of makes you wonder like, what's the, is it because they don't have Bruce? Is it because they don't have enough time to figure out the chemistry? Is it just bad luck? What is it? Well, Lance and I were talking from an auburnwire.com perspective it's like, should we write, should we like attempt to write a, an opinion piece or a column like Auburn players can't win without Bruce Pearl? I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to, I don't think that's fair, but maybe it is fair. I don't know. I've got, I, I, I'm not sure. Uh, it's media days time. They're finally here, even though Auburn's not going until the last day, but we'll talk about that in just a moment right here on Locked on Auburn. Today's show brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors that there is something for everyone? Coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, all kinds of different flavors. Um, it's easy to uh, for everybody to find something that they want. So go to Built.com uh, to use promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your first order, and that's for any of these Built Bars. 
They're all high in protein, low in calories, and they look and taste like a candy bar. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Lindsay, happy media days to you. It is day one. So what does that mean? That means we will hear from SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey today, as well as uh, the folks from Florida, which is head coach Dan Mullen, defensive lineman Zach Carter, and linebacker Ventrell Miller. And then later in the day, we will hear from LSU's representation, which is head coach Ed Orgeron, offensive tackle Austin Deculus is how I'm going with it, and then defensive back Derek Stingley Jr., and then in the afternoon, South Carolina's representation, head coach Shane Beamer, defensive end Kingsley Enigbare, and tight end Nick Muse. So as I go through those names and we talk about the, those teams, as far as what impacts Auburn, obviously Commissioner Sankey is going to impact every team in the conference. And then Auburn plays two of the three teams that are talking today, South Carolina, obviously, and of course, LSU. You know, Everybody's talking about what's going to happen with the the coaches and the players. I'm curious if someone asked Greg Sankey about the future of divisions in the SEC. Now that we're expanding the playoffs, yeah. all of that's on the way. Is there going to be a question about, about are we going to switch from divisions to a pod system or something else? Um, I think that'll be a really interesting. I hope somebody asked that question. I feel like we can trust some folks to do that. Uh, but no. I'm just kind of curious to hear, especially from Ed Orgeron, I want to hear his thoughts on these coordinators because we don't know a lot about what's going on in Baton Rouge. And I don't know if Ed Orgeron knows a lot about what's going on in Baton Rouge. It's going to be really interesting to see LSU. They have the biggest variance, possible variance in their performance this year. I agree with that. I agree with that. The Beamer situation, like that doesn't seem like a good hire to me. And I wasn't a big must-champ guy by any stretch of the imagination. Him as a head coach. I think him as a coordinator is fantastic. But him as a head coach, I didn't really see that. And I think this is a downgrade. I think they fired must-champ to get a guy that's not as good of a head coach. But we'll see. So, Beamer's going to be asked a lot of those questions. He may be... He's probably the second least interesting guy that'll be at media days behind only Clark Lee. That's kind of where I'm at with that. Um, but Auburn does play them this year, so we're going to be interested in hearing uh, what he has to say. And the thing about Shane Beamer is he's going to come off as very, very informative and polished. He's been practicing to be a head coach since he was like 10 years old. Yeah. I mean, he's very studied. He's very meticulous. I guarantee you he's covered public relations. So he's going to sound really good. He's going to leave a really good impression. But what you sound like, in Hoover in July does not at all translate to what your football team plays like in October and November. So it'll be interesting to see what he says, but it's, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. It's, we know it's going to be good. That doesn't mean he's going to be a good head coach. As far as the players going today, is there actually, I want to stay on Sankey just for a moment. 
Usually this first day, and you know, he always kicks things off as he should. He's the commissioner of the conference. He usually talks about, you know, technology that's going to be implemented in the sport and how the SEC is going to adjust. Usually officiating is a big part of that. Um, he did a long presentation one year about, you know, how they're changing the requirements for helmets that players were going to have to wear. So that stuff is, it's not always the most sexy thing in the world, but it is, uh, it is important. I believe the last time, <laughs> I believe the last media days we were at is when they unveiled the Twitter account for SEC officiating. And I remember everybody to be in like, what a bad idea that was. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you see any way in which this is a good thing? For yeah, you? I, I guess it just kind of funnels all of the like, if you're frustrated, just tweet at this. Maybe you'll feel like you're doing something. I don't know. But that's been something there. As far as the players that we're going to hear from today on this first day of media days, is there anybody that you're super interested to hear from? I love hearing Ed Orgeron talk. Um, Derek Stingley Jr. personally is the big one. I think you can make the argument, maybe outside of Matt Corral, Derek Stingley Jr. is he's the biggest name in Hoover this week outside, you know, as as a player. Would you agree with that? I feel like he's been Absolutely. there for forever. He it feels like he's been there forever, and he's probably going to be top ten, top fifteen pick. So I absolutely think he's the biggest name out there. Oh yeah, um, probably the biggest one to to hear from. Just kind of curious about that. If anything, if nothing else, just to kind of hear some inside perspective on what it was like going through what they went through last year. See if yeah. there's any insight we can glean from him about, you know, was it coaching? Was it culture? Was it just COVID happened to come in at the wrong time, but hearing some of that. And then I'm curious, South Carolina is bringing a tight end. Who brings a tight end to media days? I don't know. I'm sure Auburn fans would love to have a tight end that had enough um, clout to go to media days. You got to do something if you can go to media days, I guess. And we guess just haven't so. had that in a while. Yeah, I guess so. Heck, I, I wish there was an offensive lineman that was much of a leader where Auburn would take them to media days. It should be Brandon Council. I don't know why he's not there. Uh, probably because he got hurt. I, yeah, I wonder if he would be in consideration if that wasn't the case. But, oh well. Oh well. I mean, I, I guess the last time there was media days, Auburn did take a tackle. But, yeah. Yeah, because Prince Tegan went. But, yeah, I think uh, I think Stingley's gonna be. Inter- you think any of the LSU folks will be asked about um, Finley transferring away? Asked about, yes. Will they answer? Probably not. I mean, I think it'd be something um, generic, like you know, he did a lot of good things for us last year, um, but he did what was best for him. I think it'd be generic. I don't think I don't think they would just be like, I'm not going to answer it. You know? Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm sorry. They'll they'll answer it but with a nothing answer we're not gonna get anything juicy out of any of those guys i mean one of them's a, a tackle that blocks for them one right. of them's a defensive back you saw them at practice every day we're not gonna get anything juicy from these guys but the question will come up uh can i point out how weird it is there's only three quarterbacks at media days this year what's up with that and it's weird because there's not that many quarterback battles going on in the conference yeah like I mean, we know Bo's the starter unless something amazing with TJ Finley happens. No, Harson taking Bo to, to media days, it, there's no quarterback competition. Yeah. JT Daniels at Georgia, we know he's right. the starter. Uh, Matt Corral at Ole Miss, we know he's the starter. Uh, but, like, there's other schools. You can go through and you know who the quarterback is, but they're not coming to media days. It's just weird to me. 
And some people may say, well, I, I, you know, the, the SEC is saying, hey, just bring two guys with you this year. I guess that's for COVID purposes. That's my assumption there. Um, whatever. If you're that worried about COVID, don't have media days or make it all virtual, but whatever. But you wouldn't think, like, if you, if you were going to take your quarterback, I have a hard time buying the fact that, like, the quarterback would be, like, the number three option. Like, if you had any interest in taking your quarterback, you would just take your quarterback. So, like, I don't even, I don't think that's a reason why there's less of them. Do you? It can't be that. The only thing I can think of is either these coaches are trying to not make it obvious that this guy is going to be the starter. They want him to feel he's being pushed a little bit. Or maybe it's just something where there's a surprising number of underclassmen and they want to take somebody older. Because if you look a lot, I mean, it's, it's, as expected, it's almost all juniors and seniors. So yeah, maybe it's just something where you've, you've got some underclassmen quarterbacks and they don't necessarily want them to to have to deal with that yet. Right. Um, you also have, have to think about the fact maybe it's just an experience on the part of these coaches. I, I kind of thought about it. A lot of these coaches have not been to media days before because we didn't have it last year. Right. So you've got four new SEC coaches this year. Obviously, Harson is one of them. Heupel, Clark Lee, and then uh, we talked about Beamer. But you brought up the point, and it's it, it, I knew this. I didn't really thought about it. But last year, there were three new coaches to the SEC, but we didn't have media days last year. And those were Mike Leach, Lane Kiffin, and who's Drinkwitz, Eli Drinkwitz, Drinkwitz up in Missouri. So literally half, half of the coaches in the SEC, this is their first media days as a head coach of an SEC school. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those kind of makes you wonder how it's going to go. And as far as, okay, maybe maybe they aren't quite up to speed with what it's going to be like. And maybe that's why they didn't bring their quarterbacks. Like, they're not expecting there to be a lot of questions now. And there's going to be questions about, do you have a quarterback competition? Because your quarterback's not here. Right. You know, Maybe that's just a miscalculation on their part. Uh, but it's, it's definitely interesting dynamic that I wasn't expecting to be thinking about is half these quarterbacks, half these coaches have never been here before. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an interesting point. I'm glad you brought that up. Today's show brought to you by our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the best and easiest and fastest way to bet on all of your sports action. You can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, NFL, college football, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Go to betonline.ag. Use promo code LOCKEDON to get that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Lindsay, I want to get your thoughts on Auburn in the draft in just a moment, but just a quick recruiting note. I don't talk a whole lot of recruiting, but this is important. So Auburn is the favorite to land a receiver tomorrow. His name is Jay Fair. He's a three-star receiver per 247 from Rockwall, Texas, which is the most Texas-sounding city that I've ever heard of. He's a 2022 guy. He is scheduled to announce on the 20th, so that is Tuesday. That is tomorrow for uh, when most of you folks are listening. Um, Two crystal balls are in for Auburn at a six confidence. I mean, that's, that's decently high, but... Uh, sounds like it's down to Auburn, Florida, and TCU, but it sounds like Brian Harson's going to get his first um, commit from a receiver from the high school level. He obviously got the grad transfer with um, Robertson, but uh, yeah, his first high school receiver as a head coach at Auburn. 
So there's that. Just wanted to put that out there. Jay Fair, apparently known for his speed, very, very fast. So that is uh, that is exciting. Is he so fast because he has all of his speed and all of Tony Fair's lack of speed? Like he, 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 t- he took all Tony of Fair doesn't have. He stole the speed from. Um, yeah, that, that's got to be it. Yeah, I mean, that, that, if you think about it, that totally makes sense. It like, does. That would explain it, a lot. Or if you just don't think about it at all, it makes sense. That too. Yes. Absolutely. Either way, it works. Right. Um, all right, so Lance and I talked about um, Auburn baseball without you last week. I've never felt so, like, so seen as when you guys were like, oh, we're going to try to do this, but Lindsay's not here, so. Yeah, we even, like, talked about it beforehand, all right? We're going to talk about this, 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 and at the end, we're going to talk about baseball. And then, like, we did it, and I'm like, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel right at all. So um, hopefully you listen to that. One, it felt loved. And then yes. two, um, you didn't hate what we said. We really didn't give any opinion. We just kind of said where guys get drafted. So there's really nothing to get mad at. But um, y- your thoughts on Auburn in the MLB draft and then Auburn kind of moving on to the MLB. Yeah, so obviously not as great of a draft experience as Auburn wanted. Uh, four guys going Ryan Bliss in the second to Arizona. Richard Fitz in the sixth to the Yankees, Tyler Miller in the ninth as a third baseman to the Red Sox, and then Stephen Williams in the 18th round as a catcher. A couple free agent signings afterwards. We saw Jack Owen go to Oakland. Uh, We saw, what was it, Cody Greenhill go to the Nationals. Um, Just kind of nobody's a glaringly bad fit. Um, Richard Fitz will do well in the Yankees organization. They have a thing with taking college pitchers, getting them um, prepared and to the majors quicker rather than later. Tyler Miller at nine as a third baseman is interesting. He's been that guy who doesn't necessarily have a set position. He has versatility. He played shortstop in junior college. He played outfield for us his first year before he came into first base. I think third base is a good place for him, uh, specifically because Boston's third baseman now – uh, only has a few more years of team control before he hits free agency. So there is a path to, in the next three years, get to Boston and play. Um, I'm so, I still think that, that the Nationals got a steal by getting Cody Greenhill signed as a free agent. Mm-hmm. Um, he's somebody, he's going to come in and make your organization better. We've seen that the common consensus that he is a fastball only pitcher, we've seen that not be true. We've seen him show breaking pitches, do it without use of the fastball that uh, going back to that, uh, that old miss game we keep talking about where he went eight, he went eight innings, um, you know, I think one run ball. So not a great day for the organization, but the guys that, uh, that did get picked very happy for him. Uh, we do have some flexibility with some guys who want to come back if we have roster spots for them. Um, you know, kind of seeing how that works out. Reagan Woolley, obviously, fifth-year senior. He's already used that. But right. you know, Judd Ward being a senior, he has a year of eligibility if he wants to come back. I do. I would also be remiss to not point out uh, Calvin Ziegler. He was a signee out of Canada, one of the best uh, prep arms out of Canada, was a second-round pick of the Mets. He's a Canadian, uh, if you would. He's a Canadian, if you would. All indications are he will sign. Uh, so you hate to lose him. So but he's a can't Adian. He's a can't Adian. He can't play at Auburn because right. he's signing to go pro. Don't like that. Um, but we do have junior college guys lined up to to backfill. That's a common common thing every college program does. 
around draft season is you have your high school guys and you have your, your JUCO guys you've talked to if a spot opens up. Uh, Riggs Threadgill was a signee of ours, went in the 19th round to Washington. All indications are he's going to come to Auburn. Uh, that's why he waited around to the 19th. Yeah. So we should have him on campus. All in all, we, uh, like I said, not the, the couple days that we wanted, but all of these guys have good fits in their organizations and have the potential to make it to MLB in a few years, especially Ryan. I feel good about Ryan Bliss uh, having a role in the, in the Diamondbacks infield sooner rather than later. I hope so. I hope so. They draft another infielder in the first round ahead of them. So we'll see what that looks like for sure. Lindsay, where can people find you? Where can people hear you? Where can people be with you? I am at Auburn Banker on the social and the Discord. I am with you, 7 and 9, on News Talk WANI as the co-host of the award-winning Auburn of the Like of This Morning. Correct. Correct. Thank you so much, my friend. Tomorrow, it'll be a Charlie Tuesday. We'll keep talking media days as well as other juicy things happening around Auburn sports. Find me on Twitter at C Black with the show on Twitter at Locked on Auburn and on Instagram at Auburn Podcast. See you tomorrow right here on Locked on Auburn.